Welcome to the Second Mile Church Podcast, where we believe deeper friendships, a bigger God, and fuller lives in Christ are found in the Second Mile. Let's jump into the Word this morning, our last Sunday of Elisha and Elijah, a tale of two prophets, and um, I I want you to, uh, I want to catch you up just for a moment. Um, First week, season slaughter, Elijah had this showdown at Mount Carmel, God showed up, Baal did not, and then Elijah said, I don't want any of these prophets uh, of Baal spreading lies throughout the land ever again. And so um, he seized and slaughtered the lies, and we need to keep those lies out of our own land that try to derail us from what God has for us. Seize and slaughter. The second week, we talked about how do we hear from God? God is always speaking. We're not always listening. And so silent speech of how Elijah, you know, went, was, was properly positioned to hear from God, and he didn't let the, the wind, he didn't, or the earthquake, the wind, and the fire that he thought God would speak through misdirect him. It was God speaking in the whisper, in the quiet, that Elijah was able to hear because he was listening for it. Last week, we, we saw Elijah and Elisha go across the Jordan through a miracle of the Jordan parting, and Elijah ascended to heaven, and his cloak fell, and Elisha, his mentor, his, the one that was succeed, succeeding him in this role, he said, God, I want a double portion of what Elijah had. And we see that Elisha, a man of God, following a man of God for years as the second, uh, in, in the second chair, just humbly submitting as a servant to Elijah. And now the cloak of Elijah has fallen and he picks it up, which represents the anointing of God. And humanity steps in. And I love that scripture shares a little bit of humanity because I see myself in those moments, Michelle. There's many times we we come to church, we hear good things, they're inspiring. We'll even pick up scripture and read them, but then we don't see that those were humans. And then when we're going through a similar situation, we, we wonder how they made it through and tried to trust God, but we can't. And Elisha picks up this cloak. He's got to go back across the Jordan the way he came, but the water's flowing again. And Elijah, Elijah parted it last time by striking the water. Now, what am I going to do? So Elisha picks up the cloak, rolls it up, and as he strikes the water, he says, God, where are you? And we get to see a little bit of humanity in the middle of a miracle. Elisha showed that, God, I can't do this. Where are you? You've got to show up as he struck the water. Following in obedience, but yet still questioning and hoping God shows up in the middle of it. That's that's the way we live. That's the way we need to live. All right? So today, we're going to talk, my title this morning is Seven Sneezes. Yeah, you're welcome. There's different types of sneezes or sneezers in the room. 
There's the trumpet sneeze. These people expel air almost completely through their mouth with a loud ooh. Achoo! That's me. I'm a trumpet sneezer. You know, it's better out than in kind of thing. You can use that in a lot of different scenarios. Internal sneezers. Nothing really comes out except an odd. Who are you? Y'all are just different, okay? It's a wonder your eardrums don't explode kind of thing. Uh, There's the big bad wolf sneeze. They huff, they puff before sneezing as if they could blow your house down kind of thing. There's the tease sneezer. They capture our attention, gather the whole room as, as they go, ah, 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 and nothing happens. Or maybe it was an anti, ah, 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 Man, you better go big or go home when you're doing that. There's the freeze tag sneezer. The sneezer's whole face and body freezes perhaps for several seconds as the sneeze builds up internally and suddenly explodes out, animating the entire person. There's, there's two or three more. The hand as a handkerchief sneezer. You sneezed right in your hand, and you don't know what to do with it. No, actually, those people do. They just go on with life. I don't know what you're going to do with it. That's the thing. <clears throat> There's the coughing sneeze. This is a series of cough-like sounding sneezes close together without a breath. There's a shouted out sneezer. This manly sneeze is so loud it can be heard in the next state. And then finally, the cartoon sneezer. Sounds like a little kid sneezing or a little dainty sneeze. You know who you are. According to a Benadryl survey, yeah, if you didn't know, Of 547 people, 45% of people said they sneeze differently in public than by themselves. When asked what best describes what is going on through their mind when sneezing, 47% responded, I hope I don't bother anyone. 32% of women hold in their sneeze. 26% of women are multiple sneezers compared to 27% of men. How many sneezes multiple times, almost every time? Look at you, see? 46% of men say they are big sneezers. Any men like me, you just let it rip tater chip kind of thing. All right. So you received a pack of pepper, and we're going to get to Scripture, but again, I don't think God wants us to ignore the human side of what's happening in the scripture. So if you're bold enough, if you're bold enough, I think there's medical people on site here. Just get you some pepper and see what happens. Or you can just hold it as a, as a memory of what's going on today in church. Did your pastor at your church Give you a pack of pepper and say, go sneeze. I don't, I mean, so I got pepper here, but there's certain triggers that make you sneeze. And pepper's one of them. We'll know if somebody opened their pack in just a moment. Second Kings chapter four, 
verse 32. I want to read three verses here of this, and it'll be on the screen. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 32. When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed, not the child's bed, on Elisha's bed. So Elisha came into the house, and he saw the child laying dead on, his, on Elisha's bed. So he went in, shut the door behind him, behind the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and laid on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself upon the flesh of the child. As he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again, walked around the... Back, walked around back and forth in the house and went up, stretched himself upon the child again. And the child did what? Sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. See, I wasn't crazy. The child sneezed seven times and he opened his eyes. A miracle happens after the seventh sneeze in this story. The boy comes alive. The mom picks up her miracle in her arms, standing there in a bedroom of her own house. All of that is significant in where I'm going this morning. But let's back up in this story, because before we get to the seventh sneeze, before we get to the miracle in the house, we have some very important things to learn. If we're going to see a seventh sneeze miracle, we need to make room for the miracle worker. So I read you three verses of this. Elisha walks into the house. He goes up. He sees, goes into his bedroom. Seeing lying on his bed is a dead child. He stretches himself upon him. He prays to the Lord. He walks around the house. He stretches himself upon the child again. The child's body gets warm. The child sneezes seven times, opens his eyes, and the mom sees her child living again. That's all I read to you. But what did it take to get to that moment? Verse number eight of 2 Kings chapter four. One day, Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived and urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. Elisha is traveling. He's the prophet of God. He's got the double portion anointing on him. He actually ends up doing double the amount of miracles than Elijah did. And one of them is what we just read about. And he's going through this town, and this wealthy woman goes to her husband and basically says, hey, we need to feed him. I see him coming through often. We need to feed this man and make sure he's okay. And so every time he came to town, he would turn in and eat food. So this woman goes on to her husband, if you keep reading, says, surely this is a man of God. We need to make space for a bed, a chair, and a lamp so that whenever he comes through, he has a place to stay. What, are the, what is she giving him? A bed, a chair, a lamp. She's giving him room. She's giving him space. Elisha had Gehazi, Gehazi who was a, his, his personal assistant. Gehazi was his right-hand man. One day, the two of them stopped in the home in Shunem of this wealthy woman to rest. And while in that room resting, Elisha asked Gehazi to call 
the Shunammite woman into the room real quick. She came to the room and Elisha asked her, how can we repay you for all that you're doing for your hospitality? And she turned down Elisha's willingness to even put in a good word for her with the king or with the commander of the army. She leaves that room at that time and Elisha asked his servant, what's a good way to thank her? His servant responds that this woman doesn't have a son and her husband is old. So they called her back in the room and she stood in the doorway where Elisha told her this time next year, you will embrace a son. She told him not to lie to her. And I'm going to tell you, if you tell me something like that and I know the current situation and it's, it's looking, you know, percentages are low, really, really, really low of something like that happening in the natural, I would respond just like she did. Don't lie to me. Don't tell me something like that if it's not true. But she did conceive and had a son the following spring. We, we pass on to verse 18. The child has grown. He goes out into the field to help reap the harvest with his father. Doing the father's work of reaping the harvest, scholars believe that the heat affected the boy to the point of a heat stroke. The father asked one of the workers to carry the boy to his mother in the house, and the boy ends up dying in his mother's lap in verse 20. And she does something quite amazing. She takes him to the room of the prophet, Elisha, lays him in the bed, which is miracle territory. Stay with me. I'm getting somewhere. I'm laying a foundation. And in verse 21, things get really interesting. And some things happen that I, I really creates mixed feelings for me. She sends word back to her husband. The son's dead. She puts him, the son died in her lap. She puts him in Elisha's room in his bed. And she sends word back to her husband in the field to send a donkey and a servant so that she can quickly go to the man of God and come back. And the husband thought, that's really odd. I sent my very sick son into the house to his mother and she's wanting to leave and go to the man of God and come back quickly. That's odd. Why would she leave her son? And so he asked, he asked her why. And she said, all is well. That creates mixed feelings for me. The woman and her husband have a son that just passed away. The woman goes to the husband and says, hey, I need to get to the man of God quickly. Give me a donkey. Give me a servant to help me get there as fast as I can. And he asks, this is odd. What's going on? And she responds, it's fine. All is well. Isn't that odd? What creates the tension in, my, in, my, in me is, is it okay to say it's fine when it's not? Or is it that the woman knew all is well because I've seen the miracle worker before. I'm going to go see him again. 
So I'm not going to bother you because you don't understand, husband, what it's like to experience the hand of God at work like I've experienced it. So I'm not going to try to confuse you by giving you all the facts right now. All is well. Did she lie to her husband so that her plans were not hindered? Is lying something God would approve of? No. It's that she had experience with the mighty work of God, and she was confident that he would do it again. God's got this. She hurries the donkey as she tries to find Elisha. Elisha sees the woman approaching, sends his servant Gehazi up ahead to ask her, hey, what's wrong? Is your husband okay? Are you okay? Is your son okay? And once again, she tells the servant of Elisha, all is well. Listen, I'm telling you, this is a woman that is just on a mission. Do you know women that are just on a mission sometimes? Don't point fingers because that could go south pretty quickly. She's on a mission and her husband wasn't going to slow her down. This, this servant of the man of God wasn't even going to slow her down. I'm headed to the one who can do something about what's happening. She's on a mission. Some of us need to get on a mission today. Some of us have backtracked on a promise. Some of us have backtracked on prayers that we've prayed. We've backtracked on things that we once believed and, and assuredly knew God was going to take care of. And we backtracked. We've let a husband, we, uh-oh, we've let spouses, we've let people in general distract us or intimidate us instead of believing the man is at work, God is at work. All is well. That's where we pick up in verse 32. She blazes through her husband's detour. She blazes through the servant Gehazi's detour and she gets to Elisha and calls him to the house. He steps into the room, closes the door behind him, prays to the Lord, and then he laid on top of the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And my carnal response, again, is that got really weird. But when studying this and gaining some spiritual insight, there's great significance for each of these actions, and that's what I want you to take some notes on. See, a resurrection of the hands represents a resurrection of the work of God. A resurrection of the eyes represents a resurrection of the vision from God. A resurrection of of the, excuse me, of the eyes, yes, represents a resurrection of the vision from God. A resurrection of the mouth represents a resurrection of the word of God. And we need to know that he lays his hands on the boy's hands. He lays his eyes on the boy's eyes and he lays his mouth on the boy's mouth. We need to know that there's times when we get down, when we get weary, there's times when we are are just in need to allow the Holy Spirit in, in our room to touch our hands again that the work of the Lord be resurrected again in our life. 
Some of us, we, there's, a, there's a vision from God in this room that needs to be resurrected. And sometimes we need to let the Holy Spirit touch our eyes again so that we can see the, what God wants us to see in our life once more. I believe there's a word that doesn't hit the same as it used to. Maybe a word spoken to you or a word spoken over you that, that's somehow dormant. Maybe a word that you're called to share but that word has waxed cold. And if we just let the Holy Spirit stretch out over us and see God resurrect the word in our life again. The miracle, I don't know who donated this. I'm gonna make sure I take care of it, but you're donating to people in need and it was just perfect for me walking in this morning. The miracle happened in the house. As Elisha came into the room, went to his own bed, and prayed to the Lord while being stretched out over this child. And the miracle happened because the woman made room for the man of God in her home. I'm just going to make a bed this morning. She designated a space for God. She prepared an intentional space for God to reside and rest in her life, in her home. And when we do that, I believe some seventh sneeze miracles begin to take place. If you look up sneeze in the dictionary, it's an involuntary way of removing irritants. And what you're saying when you sneeze is basically, get out, you're hindering my breath. You're hindering my life, get out. I believe God not only wants to resurrect some things in your life, but he wants to remove some irritants in your life as well. Things that hinder you. Will you stand with me? Don't move, just respectfully stand this morning. What we don't know, what we don't know is how many times Elisha walked through that town before the woman noticed him and said, let me make room for the man of God. What we also don't know is that how many years or weeks or months went by after she made a room, she put a bed, she put a chair, she put a lamp in her own house, saying to her husband, we've got to make room for this man of God. I believe it, it will be a blessing to him, not knowing that it would be a blessing to her. How many years went by of of this lady just simply making space for the man of God. Making room in her own house. She sees a miracle happen. I'm going to tell you, I could have been many rooms in this house. But 
There was one miracle of God where she had a kid when she shouldn't have had a kid naturally. God made it, made it work where she had a child. Guess what a child needs? Extra space. It's easy for her to say, well, we've added to the family now. Let's go ahead and put away the man of God's room and we'll figure that out when he comes. Nope. She left space in her house for God. How many years went by? How many times did he come through and no, no other miracle happened? But if she wouldn't have made space, she would have never got the miracle. If she, if she would have tidied up the bed and put it away after the first miracle, after she had seen God work in her life, how many of us get so complacent, so distracted, where we put away what it took to recognize God in our life at one time? We put it away because there's other things that take up our time. There's other things that, that keep our attention now. We put it away. And so if God did want to come and visit us, we wouldn't have space for him. You know, God, I've got other things happening in my life right now. It's just a different season, God. God, I, I don't deny that you're there. I, I, yeah, I've even seen you move in my life, but I don't know, just not right now. It's a different season. And we folded up the space we once made for God in our life and put it away. I want us I want us to see the Holy Spirit resurrect the work, the vision, and the word in our life again. Thank you for joining us today. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, text YES to 910-537-5773. We have some tools to help you on this new journey. If you would like to know more about Second Mile Church, text CONNECT to 910-537-5773. Thank you for going the second mile with us, and now it's time for you to go the second mile in your life.